there's this kind of arresting quality that can happen when we're presented with something that is askew our routine. Allow me to give you some context to this truly inspiring conversation I had with Brian Alexander or Trace Bloom, as you might know him from the online space. Brian Alexander is an industrial designer, but he's also an artist, and he combines these two practices in a very interesting way to create instruments that you do not really expect to see. He inspires us to look at instruments in a complete different way, and he had just won the second prize of the Gutmann Experimental Music Instrument Contest. He also has permanent works at MoMA and a bunch of other museums and over 25 patents under his name. There are many nuggets of wisdom in this conversation that goes fairly deeply into philosophy of what it is to design instruments or to play anything that produces sound or visuals and what are these boundaries between art and industrial design. This is the Synth Design Podcast where we talk about synth design. I'm Roy and this is Brian Alexander, Trace Bloom. I know you now as Brian, but we all know you online as Trace Bloom. So what is Trace Bloom? Uh, so Trace, Trace Bloom is uh, kind of an overall descriptor or blanket uh, description or adjective of the activity and process of perceiving things in the world, natural phenomena usually, not always, could be machine-based, uh, and lightly tracing that, sort of literally, and then the translation to allowing something to bloom or become its own organic expression based on what's done in the middle, the translation part. So there's the perception, there's the activity that I'm concerned with most in the middle, and then there's what will happen. Will it be color? Will it be light? Will it be sound? Will it, what will it mean to people when uh, we perceive it? So it's kind of a, a descriptor in a way for, yeah. for what I pursue. Yeah, it seemed like a, like a very uh, conceptual view of your creative process almost. Yes, yes. I mean, it sort of sounds like a person's name, but but it's it's more intended to say like, uh, yeah, the, the the process that's involved. And that way, I kind of look back at other projects or one-off instruments and say like, did this does this still fit? Am I charting to track a new way, or is this is perceiving nothing but it's expressing something? How is that possible? You know, it just then I have something to play off of. It's more not just like, oh, I feel like doing this. It's I like some mix of structure and a little bit not so much structure at all. So it's that kind of blend. Yeah, yeah. And all the structure goes on, on this huge white wall in, in the back of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's part of it, definitely. If I, if, I if I didn't keep putting things there, they would be lost. <laughs> yeah. I, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. So when um, when I'm looking at your work, it seems like, uh, first of all, it's it's like art pieces, but mm. at the same time, it feels like engineering pieces, and it's it's almost a bit confusing to to like understand where is this coming from? How are these being realized? Yes, yeah, and I uh, in in other work, uh, client based work, it's always more framed in to you know. There's a question, and you work within a framework. Mm. Um, when uh, do uh, my own explorations. Uh, it, what would I say? There's there's basically a, a large uh, width that I like to be involved in. So uh, I have an idea, say, for 
uh, a, a specific quality of sound. And then I would pursue the device or the circumstance that would make that. And then that turns into possibly other permutations, which might be video. You might act it out. It might be spoken word. It could be a painting. It could be any number of things. And I will try to do as many as I possibly can mm. uh, across those bounds. Because my, my background is originally, so I'm an industrial designer mm. uh, by school and, and by my profession. Um, but I spent equal uh, equal times in my life and in school in fine arts uh, and the very kind of open-ended world of expression uh, around the, uh, yeah, just the, the fine art field. And I always blend those. So sometimes I will build something that will become almost uh, just a statement on a quality or perception or something about the world, mm -hmm. but it will be in product form. So that's, especially in the online world, that's confusing. You look at, I show something and people are like, that's cool, where'd you get it? And I'm like, well, that's the only one there is. I just made that one. Um, yeah. and, then, and then like, what's its purpose? Well, it's to point out the fact that people are habitual creatures and da, 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 da. You know, it has a big narrative and they're like, well, how is that a product? And I'm like, well, maybe it's not a product. And, and so <laughs> the, it goes back and forth. So that whole, that is kind of a Trace Bloom thing. That world is is weaving together these experiences that blend uh, kind of the language and the methodology of product development into it, but in like an art format. So mm -hmm. there may only be one of something. And it's very not like a can opener at all. It's a very, it's not classically product oriented, you know? Um, it may be like an enabler or something you, you deal with that changes your interaction with a device. And it's like, well, is this a product? And maybe, maybe not. Um, and that blurriness makes it kind of hard to have a conversation about because because it seems that uh, it maybe crosses one too many lines or it blends lines that are that I think once we're all on the same page it's great. Mm. I mean I see it in the world every day. I, I'm interpreting it that way anyway. I mean that people may have not intended it, but sometimes there's very poetic, uh, very uh, amazing things that happen in the world uh, that may have been product driven. Uh, or not, <laughs> it, 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 it's uh, always starts from a different point. I think it's it's something that that we see quite often that people expect to th to put things inside boxes. Yes. And if they can't put it in a box, they get confused. And the more you go into uh, the abstract, the meta, um, uh, the more like when you start studying art, then all of a sudden you realize there are no lines. Yes. I remember when I when I was a kid, I was like really into grunge music and everything that was not I, I can't even remember a conversation I had with a guitarist that uh, we were talking and, and he was like, yeah, but I'm going to get you into blues. And I was like, no, even when I get older, I'm going to play only grunge music. This is it. <laughs> Right. And then he got me into blues and I stopped listening to grunge and I started to li listen to, to only Robert Johnson from 1936 to 38. And nothing out of this space was allowed in my room, which was really funny. Yes. Because my, my, my brother was listening to trance music in the other rooms. who was like really clashing for people going outside of the, <laughs> of the street. Right. right. That's great. But yeah. But when you but when you grow, then you all of a sudden realize that it's really hard to pinpoint things. And then people still start. People still try like on Pitchfork, for instance, if you um, or, or Spotify, you you look at music genres and they're all yeah. like it's like a cluster of genres that people try to put into like 
this is minimal brass techno inspired by this and that. And like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you really have to put a name to this? And like, yeah, right, marketing right. wise, you need, but yeah, sure, sure. It is interesting. I feel one of the things that happened or you remind me of in is that uh early on in some of the well, this has been many years now, but early on in product uh, development or doing that professionally, um, I became more interested in human behavior and how people process and understand the world and why, why they seem to every day, every few minutes, say one thing and then do something else or mm. do something else and say they didn't do it or something. That, that weird tension, I was super intrigued by. And so I, I've stayed... I'm not like an expert or anything at it, but I, I just basically stayed in touch with that. I, I keep, I, I read white papers, I stay in contact with neuroscience and, and all the, the shifts in behavioral um, kind of work around ergonomics and cognitive ergonomics and that, mm. because it's amazing what that will drive, uh, or not drive, but just relate to uh, uh, product development and and how we perceive art like what people see a piece and they're like oh it's minimal this like you just with, you just mentioned with, with the genres of music and it's like a very human um, need to quantify and it's almost like if we quantify things if we keep putting labels on things we it, it kind of takes our anxiety down a couple of notches mm. even though it's like it's like making dinner or something it's like in an hour or two it won't taste like that or smell like that anymore but we caught at that time we called it this and we all agreed that we would consume it and it was sort of like a social pack we did it dinner's over and on the one hand you may could remember it for months on the other hand you may have no idea it even happened you could forget the next day what you made for dinner mm. and so it seems like our it's almost like a movie frames you know like stop action movie where we we say this and then later we do the opposite and then the next day we do what we said we did and then it's like i find that amazing so whenever i'm working on products or uh, specific products um uh, commercial products i should say versus some of these more exploratory efforts exploratory efforts are so open-ended that you i mean you get to play with uh the full range of sense perception the the kind of inherent flaws i guess in human behavior if you call them flaws i don't i think it is just human behavior it's just yeah. what it is and um and then it isn't like you leverage them you just become aware of them and you go okay so that's that and it's interesting to your point earlier because then you don't label them anymore you just go eh, you know and you, <laughs> you yeah. move on to the next thing you know and and then you'll somebody will say well is it this or this and you're like Yes, I don't know how to, there's no answer. There's not a direct answer for that. What, what do you think it is, you know, which fits more like in the, in generally in the art world, although the fine art world is so structured mm -hmm. and it kind of looks down on craft in a way. Mm -hmm. There's a, a weird biases built into that too. Super weird, super yeah, weird. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even understand. I'm like, well, I'm just over here making things. Because <laughs> I, I can't begin to process what's going on and why people get so edgy uh, about certain things. I mean, it's, it, to me, it's all interesting. It's all fantastic. I mean, yeah. Okay. There was there was actually an artist that just, uh, um, my, my partner is an art historian. So she, uh, mm -hmm. she just showed me an article where uh, they said that an artist sold an art piece that does not exist it's ah, emptiness okay and he sold it for like eighteen thousand euros or something like that nice it's just it's nothing yes and he sold 
nothing for 18,000 euros. It's a statement in and of itself. It reminds yeah. I love that. It reminds me when ready-mades uh, were a thing and the fact that they have a term called ready-mades. Some people would say, you just bought a fork and sold it to me for $20,000. And they'd say, no, this fork is symbolic of, you know, yeah. or whatever, it implies the following things, which is not untrue. And there it is. I, do, I don't know. I, great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I, I, was, I was always, always drawn to craftsmanship. And yeah. when it comes with concept, when you see that there is depth and context to it, then it just it blows my mind when I when I see these kind of things. And and I, and I want to stop talking myself. So I want, I'm curious to to see your context. So if uh, like the um, uh, let's just look at at the, what's on your bench at the moment. Okay, sure. Sure, like, what are you uh, what are you working on at the moment? Is it like uh, a sculpture or a music piece or like, what is it? Yes, um, it is all of that. Um, it's yes. <laughs> yes, I'm going to switch his camera. Okay. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Um, oops. Where are we? <laughs> so, well, that's the rest of my wall. But um, so in general, this is the workspace uh my brain on the whiteboard this is the audio workstation which is sort of fixed although if the camera was on the other side you'd see it's always in pieces because i keep changing my mind for how it's structured it's mm -hmm. like 90 percent euro rack componentry but then there's things that i made uh combined with that um and it's kind of always in flux over here oh, well that's a storage area in the back and then over here is a a few things so that's the solder bench kind of small things area some things on the wall there other instruments this this in the middle um is a piece that's been gone ongoing which is aimed at uh basically taking all your information you're dealing with like if you had like the euro right that kit that's behind you to your it would be your left i guess Mm -hmm. over your shoulder. So I started thinking that there's all this graphical information. And since we're wired as humans to be primarily uh, visually oriented, we that uses two thirds of our brain, some say um, that and we're looking at the back of it here, I apologize, it isn't turned around, but but that has uh, 49 patch points. And it's a uh, grid of uh, lighted elements that um, change with your proximity to them, the cone of the cone of projection changes relative to where you're standing. And what you do is you patch out your uh, you tap your points that you have in your kit and it unifies that in a graphic expression. So as opposed to looking at, uh, say, one manufacturer makes their modules one way and one creates them another way. Uh, and you know the lights are different colors and the in and out points. Sometimes they have a you know a halo around them, and other times you're like, is this the inner, the outer? Oh, I guess it's both. You know, mm -hmm. um, this takes them all collectively and puts them onto a graphic format. It's roughly uh, four feet by four feet. Uh, um, you have you have you have some pictures of this online, right? Maybe you yeah, can share your yeah. screen to show it. There it goes. Okay, so the sorry, this is all just I like that non-woven material a lot. Mm, um, yeah, yeah so it's part of the creation. Also, the, the yeah, yeah, communication process becomes part of the creation. Yeah, yeah. I didn't used to do that very well. I didn't document things very well at all. I would build things completely, and they would end up in a box, or I'd mm. set them up 
on fire or something. And I would never, <laughs> I never recorded it. I never did anything. And now the online thing is so interesting because at first I kind of resented it. I spent so much time. Yeah. You just used to be focused on the piece, whatever that is. Mm. You get to an end point and like back in the day, you would, you know, set up a light and a thing and take like four 35 millimeter slides and call it good. And now it's just like, okay, well, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening like a cooking show. Mm. But it is kind of interesting because you find the art or the beauty in the process, which I guess maybe I wasn't paying complete attention to. I don't know. So um, then this is uh, right. This is that non-woven material, which was an exploration of how the light uh, hit those points of projection. There's one in the back corner. I don't know if you can see that back here. To, to give this a bit of context, is this the that huge wall that you showed yeah. before? Yeah. These are each. These are each. Uh, so I three D printed the basically came up with the geometry. Sorry, I'm gonna have to get out of this now. This is the kinetic version. Mm -hmm. So I use, once I built the, uh, the frame structure, this was one of the pieces that I wanted to work with, which is, is purely acoustic. Um, and it balances on two points uh, opposed from each other and the wind moves it. So I'm not mm -hmm. touching it, it's just the wind tipping it. But this is not uh, what you said with the patch points. This is this is the same structure with yeah. these kinetic elements, where what is now patch points um, for uh, lighting elements. So that's that's the overall form. Um, but now it has uh, those. So you so you're basically points. transforming. Yeah your art pieces this this was this and now it's this thing yes that's connect that's connect so the only thing that stayed is the cuts and then you replace these cuts yes. with these 3d prints yes yep yeah and each one has a uh a single led mm. that is um it basically looks at cv and makes a few interpretations as the voltage range peaks, or if or if you you send an envelope, say, or you you basically start playing with the texture of the of the voltage, the lights react differently, mm. and because they're all in one uh, form, or they're all uh, sort of put together in one component, almost like a little readout screen, except it's big. Um, the more you play and interact, and this happens in your presence, the more you start to correlate the the information that at first doesn't look like information it starts to uh sort of in your mind um, map the correlation between those points of expression and what you're doing and it actually i've used it long enough now to know that it's influenced my patches it's it's influenced the way i work because i'll i'll let something go say and walk because you know your rack it has a mind of its own mm -hmm. and it will um, and so uh just kind of let something go walk away for an hour and come back and i can i have a better sense of what has evolved by the graphic information as i do by my ear um and you piece those together and to me or the idea is that it, it gives depth uh and a common sort of patterning to what you're doing with your patches um uh, as a, as opposed to or in addition to the information you already have with with all the, the your kit anyway so it's basically just like giving depth to it and it's a it's a concept you know i may get to this point and go eh, kind of sort of and then change it again 
and and the the idea of um, converting it from one piece to another and saving that structure, it may become yet another one. Although I like this one a lot, I may leave it like this and make another one that's different. But um, it, I should say that process is something that I try to do with all the instruments. So they, they all have some commonality in either control voltage or MIDI in language form. Um, and there's some other experimental things, but basically I try to keep them where they will talk to each other they're not their own thing. And even things that are acoustic kind of fit in a certain framework, so as to speak, if they have trigger elements or, or if they uh, output other data. Um, and they are all uh, commonized as though they were products. I mean, they are and they aren't. But, but like everything has a common camera mount. Everything has a common base. There's common proportions. So the next thing I make fits into, it may not look like it, but it fits into sort of a structural schema so that if I want to take those parts and have them speak to uh, say the, the clock, I don't know if you saw the clock radio or the, the alarm clock that it turned into a sequencer. Um, it's I like did, but I, 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 would, I would love to see this on the screen. Okay, that, that would, uh, like right now sitting over there, that element is without any Eurorack at all is sending sequences to the display board, which doesn't have a name. But that's what's that's what's happening. So it's outputting. You, you get a sense of what it's like if you've heard what it does. Then you look at the the light image and you say like, ah, that is those are related. Um, yeah. There's no audio. It's totally silent. And I'm just going to let it go for a day or so and see what happens. See, uh, you know, just let it run, so to speak. So this little guy, yeah, uh, is or was um, a little. Uh, an alarm clock really so and and um it was just this was just an experiment to uh take uh i don't do a lot of this but i do it some with my kids we do circuit bending projects because i think for uh younger people anybody really i guess um when you reference an existing object and then kind of reformat or rethink what its abilities are even if it's something that isn't even electronic you know just it's another it's like oh it does this and it does this um, and it has, you kind of see, the, you read the possibilities into the world and into products in a way that uh, doesn't seem so confining. Like mm -hmm. instead of running into a pro, you know, that I think we all get in the habit of, uh, oh, wow, problem. And then you, you, your go-to might be to like, I don't know, purchase the answer or go look on Amazon or something. And it's like, well, there actually might be, there could be, there's probably 20 different things you could do before you got to that step. And it's just sort of like a lost, kind of like the craftsmanship thing, a little bit like a lost activity that I, you see things that aren't refined. Um, mm -hmm. It's like great for figuring stuff out, but then you see like, why can't this go the extra, the extra mile to kind of receive uh, the, the effort or the love, so to speak, of making it, uh, just finish it out as an idea, as an object, even if you're never going to make another one, just finish the one you have, you know, to me, it's like a level of of completeness around things. It's not mandatory, of course, like some things you just mock up with tape and glue and you go, good enough. Um, but uh, that's usually a step to going somewhere, not the end. Um, so this was this was along the lines of circuit bending, which we don't do a lot of, but uh, it, I was thinking that a standard inexpensive um, clock 
uh, alarm clock was interesting in that it has a it has a feature set that extends kind of beyond our lifetimes when you think about it. On the one hand, it's a very ordinary object that nobody gives any thought to. Mm -hmm. um, and because of its the way the character display works, uh, I basically rearranged it. So it would make things you didn't necessarily recognize besides it being in the vertical format. Um, and You're getting a hum again. There is a huge... Um, the yard service is like two houses down from here. It will go away because there's only a thin strip of grass. As soon okay. as it's done, it'll go away. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. We wait or do we? No, it's good. Just go ahead. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, basically, I started thinking of it as like a, almost like I called it an Earth sequencer <laughs> because time is based on living on this particular planet. Time is different other places, but here it's like, well, this is how many times you see the sun this is how the earth moves around the sun and an ellipse and all the kind of planetary big world effects that we experience and that life is driven by here we have this interesting little ordinary device that kind of tracks that so i just i went with one that had a, a temperature as well so it has a temperature sensor uh and the date which means it will go until it runs out of i mean we'll all be dead it could be still going um, and, uh, of course, uh, the character um, changes every 12 hours, repeats itself every 12 hours, but there's the AM and PM little annotation or the little dot. So you use that little bit of information to alter what the next set of characters will look like. As mm. it so basically, it's just taking the character data and outputting that as uh, CV. So it's like a peculiar long-range <laughs> sequencer drone kind of device. And again, it's just like, it's an experiment. It's an idea uh, more so than, than a product, but it ends up looking at a product form because I like to finish things to that level. Yeah, I think the level of craftsmanship is, is um, really rewarding to, to look at. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. It, uh, so do, do, you have a, do you have a picture of how this looked before? Uh, yes. I believe there's one in here. That shows the guts. What kind of what made it uh, accessible is the um, there was like a little daughter board uh, that came off the side of it that went to the display, and I'm like, oh, easy, you know. It, so all the contacts and everything are were just laying there, and I thought, well, I don't know, just play with it and see. And it seemed like the more I played with it, the more interesting it got. Um, which is why it just in the tinkering, you know, became the idea of a sequencer. Uh, yeah. Just, sometimes you just take things apart to take them apart, and then you're like, okay, cool, and shoop, you know, or recycle them there, upcycle them. But yeah, that's, you know, it's a thought. <laughs> I I wanted to talk to you about uh, ergonomics. I know that you ran a workshop about ergonomics. Yes. And, yeah. and and in particular, how you see ergonomics as part of art mm. because one could look at art as like yeah you know you don't really need ergonomics here ergonomics is for stuff that people are supposed to work with uh, yeah. like functional yeah. things while art is maybe different yeah yeah it um yeah that's a very good point the uh i think when when we say ergonomics people think about the physical side of it mm. not the not the cognitive or the processing or the blend like what's what's the 
you don't really take your head off and put it on a table at night. You know, it's like it, all this stuff is connected all the time. Mm -hmm. So there's things we perceive and they come through as physical expression. And there's things that the body will see and our conscious mind won't. And that comes out as maybe a thought or uh, the, all that stuff is crosswired. So I tend to try to not ever take those apart. And then on, on the art side, there's, there's always an interesting tension between an emotive quality that something will have. Things feel kind of like, oh, I didn't, I, my brain is giving me interesting signals because I have not seen, uh, you know, 50 little cans of soup with these little flames in them and along this edge of this water is like not something I've seen. And so there's this kind of arresting quality that can happen when we're presented with something that is askew our routine or our cadence, yeah. our life cadence, you know? And so, and then interesting, those become, um, it's, it's a episodic kind of data. I mean, you, you saw that and it kind of went like the perception that you were having at the time, because we're all sort of like living multi-track beings. And so if you were eating something or going around a turn or seeing something new at the same time you saw that, you'll be able to reference that in your mind much further, much longer. Um, uh, and it, it will take basically everything else that was happening perceptually and combine that into like this little node in time that you can reference. And I think good art gets at something that's sort of beyond words and beyond description. I think good design does the same thing, mm -hmm. but knowing how those, or having a sense anyway of how those work for people, uh, you can kind of lend a utility to art that isn't just like, well, I was having a bad day, so here's a picture of me angry, you know, with like scratchy things, you know, it's like, yep, seen that. Um, but we don't want to have a bad day too, you know, like what is now what kind of thing? Because a lot of a lot of pieces are posed as some sort of as a, as a venting almost, and then the other pieces. I always try to be more constructive, which is why I'm always in and out of this land of like is this a product or is this what is the point of what we're looking at or this is making me feel something i think i should go try this or something like does it is there any inspirational element does it call people does it wake up something in people at a deeper level that is outside that episodic routine and i think i think the work can do that anyone anyone's work can do that whether yeah. it's intentional or otherwise but on the on the ergonomic side that blends to the cognitive um, I think there's all kinds of possibilities there in terms of improvement, in terms of well-being, in terms of uh, people gaining perspective or space in their daily lives. Like good art, if you go to an exhibit and wander around a while, you kind of lose track of time mm -hmm. and you're immersed in something usually unfamiliar with or roughly familiar with, but it, 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 it touches us in a way. And that is kind of traditionally or classically void in utilitarian objects. One, because they're utilitarian objects, you deal with them all the time. And it's like, that's not, <laughs> this isn't how that's going to work. Um, but uh, uh, that you can bridge between those that can be played back and forth. And, um, and I think in the long run, kind of do more meaningful work, I guess, which is some days all I'm trying to do. Yeah. So how how would you how would you describe ergonomics in um uh, like uh, you said that you're working also for clients mm -hmm. uh, can you share a bit how the um, 
um, how the different practices um, inspire one another. Mm. Um, so, ooh, let's see. I would I would say that the the ergonomics in the sense that, or at least in terms of the way I try to focus and bring that into development in the traditional sense is to be more in alignment with the natural behavior that humans portray on a daily basis. Um, not so much the, mm, you, you know, so it's, this, is, this is dicey, so this will have to probably be cut up. But, but part of, sometimes I'm dealing with folks where they say, this is the newest, coolest version of this. And I say, this is really not great for people. You know, I'm thinking this, but I'm not saying, <laughs> you know, and so there's a, I have a personal, a bit of a conflict. You know, I say, I don't, marketing wise, I would not say that that's what this is doing because it's just perpetuating bad behavior kind of thing, or it's not, it's not growing us as a culture. It's not mm -hmm. making better people in the world. It's just selling stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so I got, I'm sharing that because that that is one level of awkwardness that doesn't really benefit from, uh, I mean, it could benefit from predictive behavior or, or things on a behavioral side, uh, behavioral ergonomics, uh, but it's not being put to good use. Because my goal with a lot of those efforts is to sort of make the device mm, disappear so that it's almost frictionless, like the device has a lot of what we see um, back to the art museum trip. You go and you say, oh, that is a thing of beauty. I've not seen that before. And you have this response. So, but from there on in life and in its use, uh, it will sort of evaporate. You, it will become, you, you won't get new info. It's not updated uh, uh, perceptually, uh, unlike a family member or something who ages over time. It's like, it's, it's just the thing. You'll only get alerted when it it's working or not doing what you thought it did. Um, so it will sort of, from a, from a perceptual standpoint, it gets, you get conditioned to it and it kind of disappears. If it was in alignment with a base set of behaviors, which I, I call that ergonomics, um, then, then the sort of uptake and it disappearing in a good way is all the quicker. It doesn't introduce anything uh, that causes extra strain or load or awkwardness, and it fits with the the greatest diversity and the most um, kind of wide swath of people's behaviors, attitudes, abilities, and it's like that's kind of like good design to me. And 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 I, whether anyone asks or not, that's what I try to put in all of them. And sometimes it is something that may not be that visually attractive. It may be somewhat peculiar. But shortly upon interacting with it, you go, oh, I see. And then, and then it's, and you, you take it in and it does not add to the kind of frictional load of your daily life. So with those projects, whether they're software related or not, uh, or physical objects, uh, that's something I try to stick to if I can. Do you also do uh, software development or software design? I, I do at the level of, um, so I have, I have one software patent, but mostly what I do is at, at the level of uh, establishing concept and direction, uh, it, it storyboard them out 
I don't, I don't, I don't do the code per se, but uh, basically develop, choreograph kind of the interaction. Yeah. Okay. UX UI stuff, and then um, because really it's just it's a you could flip it either way, but it's sort of like that's just another thing we deal with, and our minds are not making a huge distinction whether this is no not um, Photoshop or something else, or it's a physical thing. It's like right, the one is is physically richer but it's no less meaningful you know and and it needs to follow like you can't have to you can't have to try to do this too many times in a row it's the same frustration you have with something that doesn't click back on itself and do what you thought it would do um so all that stuff is the same really and i i, I deal with a lot of that in a storyboard sense like it's a little movie kind of like here's 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 a flow chart or a tree of events that will happen you will incur it and then this could happen if this happens then this happens da, 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 da. and um basically plot all that out and apply the same logic where it says i'm trying to bring friction out of the system i'm trying i don't i don't want it to over guess what it is you want to do but i don't want it to like underperform uh in terms of what of course, it's just you doing this, but it, it to our minds, to our bodies, it feels the same as like you're, you know, chipping something in concrete or lifting something heavy. We feel a strain and it's very real and we'll have that uh, kind of visceral reaction to that. So it's it's the same kind of thing in a way. Yeah. Maybe I'm like a stretch, but I, I deal with it in a very similar way. How do you get better at designing things ergonomically, mindfully, uh, with respect to people's time and people's efforts to use something that you actually made? Mm. I think, so for, I guess for me personally, it's a long, it's been a long kind of slow arc where for many years I would sort of I would say early on, I've always brought that to the forefront. They would say, we are looking to develop this kind of product, I would say, well, here's some things you should consider. And I don't want to say you would get a blank stare, but people are like, that's nice. Are you going to start on it soon? Like, it's not a, it's not um, uh, something anyone was asking for. So it's been almost like most of my career is bringing, regardless of what they're asking for, it always applies. And that always just kind of, um, you know, you don't want to get frustrated, but you just sort of ease, you know, bring it forward again, bring it forward again, bring it up. And with certain clients, they say, okay, so why, so this one, this particular product, we executed this way, your recommendation, it's out selling all these other ones. And I would say, okay, well, see this one, <laughs> um, they're at the same price point and everything, but this version when I see people pick that up, I would say like 60% of the time I see a smile on their face, or I would say these things that seem almost like a child would say, yeah. but they're very important. And that's because this, this one does not have the same kind of, uh, barriers. It, it resonates with people. Um, it's relatable, uh, and it has those same features. And so being consistent with that over time, it's, I don't want to say it's totally like, oh, it's great. I'm, I'm good. Um, but it's just been this slow pursuit of bringing a discipline forward that people weren't necessarily asking for years ago. Um, and, and then sticking with it and then really honestly listening to them when they say that's nice, but if it doesn't hit this price point, you know, won't be there anyway. So it has to do everything good design does in the beginning. 
and then and then to fall into this uh or you mentioned like a mindfulness or a mind a design mindful ergonomics i think which is great uh yeah just mindful just being mindful of someone else and just not not saying uh yeah i don't know design this this is going to fit and it's going to work and then you realize yeah but this when you connect it to your computer it's kind of like wiggly and then it's ruining your usb-c connector uh like a uh, socket yeah 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 and that's just not mindful it's that simple it is it's a, a lot of uh i've always had a, a back and forth relationship with the design community in general and the art community for that matter because um i feel like a lot of a percentage not all but a, a good percentage of of traditionally traditional product design brings together like a it's like oh that's fresh it has like a, a recognizable newness but the but the the devices themselves have kind of a self-centered quality they're like they're more about them than they are about what they're <laughs> And and I always kind of found that to be like a put off because then later on, like you said, they wiggle out the USB socket. It's like, well, that didn't have to be. I have that exact same connector here right now. And I literally have a piece of blue tape holding it on because I can see you should not put something with a lever you know, <laughs> in a USB connector and then put force to it. So uh, it's interesting because I, I don't know. I, early on, I thought it's really like a service when you when you go to do any of these things and it should be kind of a humble service rather than like oh look at this you know uh flat white thing shaped like an ice cube and it's like yep that's pretty sweet but what you know um because uh, if you if you you know visit other people's homes or see what's actually in the in the glove compartment of their car or why they don't wear certain socks it's like that's the real to all of it. And if, I always treat it like a sort of, it's just a service. It's just a service. It doesn't, you don't have to pick up anything and say, oh, I know the guy that did that. It's like, that's fine. If you're growing a business, I can see why you would want to do that. But if you're helping people, that doesn't necessarily fit. There's a little bit of a conflict there. Uh, you know, not, not the worst thing, but it's, 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 an, it's, it's an honesty kind of element, I guess. I think I think it all boils down to that. It boils down to honesty and 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 care and service. Yes, because when you're making something for other people, it doesn't really matter if it's art or if it's design, if it's functional or not, if it's for the purpose of function or not, uh, or it's a utility. Bottom line, it's for someone else. Yes. And um, yeah, yeah, uh, very much so. I agree. I am. I am. I am really curious how how can a young designer uh someone who is just starting out and realizing that they are pretty good at drawing or composition um and they're like i'm going to study now i'm going to study and and refine these skills how do they get better at not servicing themselves but servicing a community of people mm. like it seems like you have you have i'm i'm I can imagine that you have more than 10 years of experience in the field. Uh, what would you what would you suggest? How would you how would you approach this? If you really if someone understands, okay, I get it. I need to I am in service to other people, to a certain community. Mm -hmm. What should it, how how do they get better at designing for that community? Mm. I, I well one one thought is that um and it's not a new idea, but you sort of adopt at, at a deeper level, if you can manage, you adopt that community, whatever the user group is, like a, like a place that uh, 
that feels like it's centered um, on what you're trying to serve because it because it's always very there's that uh, there's a, a, a crossroads where you bring something fresh to a problem because you don't fully understand the problem that has this much value but the rest of the value is in you having lived the problem so much that you don't even need words to describe it. You, you say, this is what's wrong with this. And, and it gets, a, then, then the space around the solution can open up and you won't get uh, hung up so much on like, well, if it has a pin in this side, it may it be exposed. You know, you did, that's not where your head is at. You're thinking, Instead of like this is this is what happens with this chair, you're thinking, why do people sit? You 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 back up, get like back way up, and I would say related to that too uh, is being able to come back and say say what, whoever asked the question, what client or otherwise, to say like yes, I understand your question and I see how that's relevant for where you're at, but you need to be back far enough that it's like a flight pattern and you're coming into a city. It's like, I see all the roads, I see the tiny cars yeah. and people and the lights blinking. And I said to myself, is that the right question? And I, a lot of times I will sort of, it's like a counter offer. I'll go, I, this is your question. I think your question is actually this, which is yes, they're related and they definitely overlap, but uh, it gets to that community aspect and just the process of figuring that out, even if it can't be totally resolved, because it sometimes can, um, it just puts you in a better position to act genuinely and to really act on behalf of what the need was or the, the, or the, the interest or the people that were trying to um, solve the problem. Because sometimes the manufacturer, and there are many well-meaning manufacturers, Sometimes their interest is to stay a manufacturer and to do to make stuff fly out the door. They they do care about the people they're selling it to because they want them to keep doing what they're doing, but they don't care about them like a parent cares about a child. It's not like that. No. So so I feel like that's where design steps in somewhat and says, I hear what you're saying, but I also hear what this group of people are saying, and they're this isn't actually going to answer that. And I've been in situations where I've said, I think your problem is actually this. It seems like this is what's at stake. And they're like, well, thanks for your help. And that was the end of the project. So I kind of shot my foot by saying too much or thinking too far or something. Not often. Usually they'll hear you out. Um, but uh, it's I say that because it's a little riskier when you're, it's both, it's, it's risky in the sense of, uh, uh, new to like, I need to do this to pay bills, kind of very uh, heavy feeling mm. part of a career path. But when you're young and you're headed towards that, you have all the freedom in the world. You're like a retired person. You're like a young retired person. It's like, do whatever. Did you, there's no reason not to back way out and to understand this in, in its entirety and maybe find out that it has nothing to do with the product. You need to change, uh, you know, a zoning ordinance in the city that will fix the problem. It doesn't even have to do with the, the thing, you know, um, and being young is actually a fantastic spot to be in because your mind gets stretched like that. You get conditioned to processing it that way. And then you keep applying it as you go. Yeah, that's very true. Just last question before we finish. I'm curious uh, because I know that uh, you have uh, uh, quite a bit of knowledge about uh, a lot of different things that I'm that I'm really uh, interested in. If you look at the world of 
synthesizers and mm. synthesizer manufacturers and like I think that like over probably 300 or 400 different companies uh, small companies uh people like me like you building things at home mm. um where do you see this uh or where would you want to see this industry go mm. well I, I I love the industry because it has it's like a huge collective of cottage industry type logic where you have you take you take uh, when I look at uh, uh, this is always changing but my rack set up um, I look at it like a little conference of worlds and minds you know here's Latvia next to uh, some places in you know South America and that always makes me smile I would be very sad if it became overly unified or if people started buying each other and and the industry became more vertical. Mm. There'll always be like bigger and smaller players, but none of them will ever be that big because it's it's just inherent in the activity. It's an artistic activity. Who who's who's not dripping with money or who who's short on change? Artist. <laughs> so as long as you're making instruments, you know, you're making them for uh uh people with vast amounts of inspiration and skill and um uh, but not necessarily the wealthiest people. It's not something where the, the you know, all of a sudden the market would double. It, it doesn't feel like that. I love that about that. I wish the, I wish that the diversity, uh, um, and the difference of people's mindsets, and then sometimes, you know, opposite places on the world, same exact idea. Mm. I love that about, uh, the industry and hope that doesn't ever go away. Um, I do think though, that keeping everything that we know intact everything from from CV to you know big clunky pops and stuff that tactile mm -hmm. quality the tactile physical quality and object quality and the fact that it meshes overlapping permutations of the same ideas I think is such a rich place to play I, I love that that's what makes some people that makes some people's eyes bug out and they're like oh I could put eight voices together and they're like, Ooh, and you feel it has that kit quality of ever evolving, ever changing. Um, and then references all these physical forms. The, the thing that would be interesting, I suppose, is further uh, meshing and integrating the rest of the world with it. Mm -hmm. So some of the, some of the projects I've worked on basically deal with, you know, everyday objects that um, have some data component to them. And your interaction with them is speaking to, you know, a generic mesh hub that is not, doesn't know it's you, doesn't care. Um, it just sees, it's just like looking at vibration, say. And, and when I look at, when I, that's one thing I think about is I look at these things and see how they're configured and nothing is mapped. And uh, people's reactions, like how hard they grip the knob or, or, or are they really, are they like, you know, are they, just enthused, are they jamming, or are they like almost asleep or something? All that emotion back on the physical side of the user is not anywhere. It's not. It's not understood. It's not recorded. It's not integrated. So a lot of the stuff that I try to bring from the natural world, whether it's like wind, water, reflection, mm -hmm. subsonic sound, you know, uh, people's emotions, all that stuff, I'm always trying to put into it. But it can also send that back out, and that integration with the rest of the planet that keeps 
what is uh, a beautiful kind of outlay of expression and diversity in, 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 the, in the modules themselves, keep that intact, but connect with the rest of the world. I think there's, there's, there's ideas and there's, there's a lot of thought and a lot of interesting uh, methods and methodologies in the, in the industry that actually apply other places. I, I picture doing other things with it in, in life where I'm like, well, why couldn't this be, you know, uh, synthesis oriented? It's like, mm -hmm. well, it could. It could. It could be an aspect. It could be a very strong aspect of sonification. It could be used as feedback systems. It's, it could be other places, but it's kind of its own little island mostly. And it's not that no one else has thought of that. It's just that that's what comes to mind when you mention it. Yeah. I think when when a certain design is informed by the the world around it, even if this world is um, smaller, I, I I tend to go towards uh, saying community because community is is smaller than like a nation, um, and a na and a community does not really have to be constrained to a certain location, especially today. Um, but once you once you start seeing these things, like uh, a design is informed by a certain community, or design is informed by a certain space, uh, certain nature, natural location, then you get to you get to discover things that you can't really discover when a design is almost uh, coming out of yeah, just just uh, just your uninformed brain. Yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> It does. It does. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you, so yeah. Go ahead. No, you can. Yeah. Once uh, I feel like the more things we we get in touch with, the more things we um, we we look for empathy everywhere. Yes. I remember I was talking to an artist uh, a while back, and he was like, "When you can be empathetical to a fish, mm -hmm. then you can, or to to like." <laughs> It was it was going further. It was like, just imagine being empathetic to light reflecting on the pavement. Nice, yeah. And my mind blown because it's you can you can you can be empathetic to anything. You can you can draw energy from anything around you. And once you start looking at things around you and not take them for granted. Yes. All of a sudden, it informs everything you're creating, everything you're doing. You're cooking, it goes there. Um, you're loving, it goes there. You're yes. teaching, yeah. it goes there. You're yeah. designing a thing, it goes yeah. there. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then people appreciate it. And it feels like, it really feels like it's people who try to do things really fast, mm -hmm. uh, like what you mentioned with uh, companies that are just trying to, to make more revenue. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like they're running faster and that makes sense and they could sell to a certain amount of people but it always feels like for the long term and maybe the long term is not the next 20 years or 30 years but for the long term you're not really doing any good you're just sort of like a cancer thing trying to yeah, yeah. like grow on your own just for the sake of yourself yes and yeah. It's beautiful to see, actually, in in the in the synth. In, I mean, the fact that I can reach out to people that I really admire in this world, and they will just reply to your email within like a few hours and say, "Oh yeah, let's chat." That is yeah. so inspiring. And that's exactly what you mentioned. Also, that like you have in your rack all these different um, 
small universes of communities in around the world yes, that create yeah. stuff and and you can sort of tap into their little world yeah. that is informed by another world that is different than yours and then you get informed by this and create something inspired by this and this this is beautiful yeah it is it is yeah you're so, so right. as long as the the industry goes this direction i'm i'm really really happy yeah me too me too you, you remind me of a of a uh point perhaps I maybe should have made but but because it seems like a vast collective of small-scale businesses the 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 normal um what like development barriers to getting an idea into other people's hands are not the same at all so what you have is this kind of uh expression of creativity and people kind of bouncing off of each other nobody thinks i don't think that they like are stealing each other's customers or something that mindset is not quite the same people are like here try one um and um and also if they think well this is kind of a little wonky perhaps but let's try it let's make 50 or 20 or something or 10 um like i make five of something i'm like eh, maybe that's it um the big companies that have the reach that's, that makes no sense for them. It caught, they, they will spend more money in five meetings than they mm -hmm. would mm -hmm. making the, getting the idea in people's hands. Therefore, you only get the most streamlined, most sort of high bar, high barrier ideas over the wall, so to speak. So you just won't ever see that in a mass scale. But as long as the collective has enough uh, sort of growth and interplay and is healthy, almost like an ecosystem or like an mm -hmm. organism, as long as it's healthy, cool things pop up all the time. Um, and then what I love about it, like you mentioned, is I get a new module and I start working with it. And I'm like, wow, I could have swore it said it was a sequential switch. And I just find uh, the more I work with it, I'm like, oh, that's just not, that's their version of it. That's how their yeah. brain works, you know? And and, um, and frankly, that inspires me to go further on other things. I think, okay, this, this graphic display idea is like, may only make sense to me and 10 other people, but that's okay. That's doesn't mean I shouldn't try, you know, or it doesn't mean you shouldn't, shouldn't take those ideas and at least, you know, just show the world, see, see, see what happens and, uh, and, and have, have the constant churn of invention and creativity be the force as opposed to this high bar where it's like, well, if we don't start by selling 10,000, this isn't worth pursuing. It's like, well, that, that doesn't bode well for everyone on the receiving end. We just mm. get, just get a limited fits everybody kind of solutions whatever they are whatever whatever they are. yeah i hope this conversation is going to inform some uh young creative minds to create more wacky crazy yeah uh, instruments yeah <laughs>